0: Welcome to the Generations Church podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org, or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Hey, take your Bibles this morning, Uh, turn to the book of Mark, uh, chapter 15, Mark 15, I'm going to be reading there. I'm going to be reading also from Luke 23. So uh, uh, if you want, that's where our scripture readings are going to be from this morning. I started a series, an Easter series last week called The Encounters uh, to the Resurrection. It's a series about the last, you know, encounters of Jesus from the Passover meal to the Resurrection Sunday. So we're looking at 12 different people who had unusual encounters with Jesus from Passover Thursday to the uh, resurrection uh, morning. Last week, we looked at Jesus' encounter with Peter, Jesus' encounter with Malchus, the uh, servant of the high priest. We looked at his encounter with Pilate, and we looked at his encounter with Barabbas. So, uh, got a few more that we're going to walk through today. So, just as a reminder to set the stage in your mind, everyone was coming to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover, okay? It was a... And Passover was a, you know, it was a spiritual celebration, but it was also, you know, it was also, uh, uh, you know, a festival uh, as well. So Jerusalem was filled, you know, uh, with people. Now Passover is an eight-day festival which was celebrated in early spring. It was a reminder to everyone of the release of the Israelites from slavery. So when we say Passover, this is kind of what they're celebrating. It was observed by eating special meals, retelling the Passover story of Exodus, and the sacrifice of the Passover lamb. They killed a lamb at the end, and it was a, kind of a remember, rem- remembrance of what went on um, in Exodus, so that's where they're at. You know, they're they're coming to celebrate Passover. When we ended the story last week in this in this series, we ended with Pilate giving the order to have Jesus crucified. All right, so that's kind of where we're at now. When an order for crucifixion was given, you know, several things took started to happen. So when Pilate gave the order it started this procession something that they did regularly it started it you know in motion so it started you know with the with the uh the criminal would carry their own, you know, the criminal would carry their own cross. Now, probably they didn't carry the full cross, like you see in movies sometimes, because it was about 300 pounds. They probably just carried the cross beam, which was about 70 to 90 pounds. So the criminal, once they, they gave the order, the criminal would carry the cross beam to the crucifixion site, and they would carry their own cross to the crucifixion site. Now, There's debate on how far Jesus walked because there's debate in Jerusalem where the crucifixion sites were. So like the one that I think that it is is about one third of a mile. So at a a minimum, it could have been 2,000 yards up to a third of a mile that Jesus carried his cross depending on kind of, you know, where where he was crucified, of course. There would be a horse-mounted a soldier to lead the procession. So when they started out, you had a soldier on a horse that would lead, uh, lead the procession with a small group of soldiers in the grieving families. So the and also in this procession, you had the soldier on the horse that kind of led the way. You also had another soldier that from time to time would call out to the crowd what the crime that had been committed was. So just from time to time, another soldier would, would re- recite the crime that this individual had uh, given out. You also had the grieving family as well. So that was kind of the procession. And this procession occurred on the most public roads as a lesson to the people, you know, from the Romans, just a reminder, you know, of Roman justice. So this procession starts, you know, Pilate gives the order, the horse starts, Jesus has his cross, and 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 with this small procession, they start their way to the crucifixion site we know is the Via Della Rosa if you've ever been to Jerusalem the way of suffering they've got that that way kind of uh, you know kind of marked out also in this suffer in this procession just to note there are two thieves as well now you know these aren't normal thieves and really the Bible I went back and looked at it we call them the thieves on the cross really that's not a term That's used, it's more criminals because to execute someone from being a thief would be in a severe, you know, severe uh, payment for a crime. But just remember in this procession, the horse drawn carriage, the man that's calling out the crimes, the criminals, Jesus in this procession, the two. I'm still going to call them thieves on the cross, the criminals, the grieving family and soldiers, three or four or five soldiers. So that's kind of what this procession was. And they start to walk this way. And after a period of time, we don't know how long that it is, Jesus collapses under the weight of the cross. He was very weak. He could not carry it any further And just as a reminder, the beatings that he had had with the rods, the floggings that he had had with the whip, 39 39 lashes of the whip, the blood loss, no sleep, no food, little water. At this point, uh, a very weakened person, Jesus gives way, his humanity you know, finally gave out. He could not carry this cross anymore and he just collapses under the his own weakness but under the weight of this cross beam Was where we want to look at our first encounter, Jesus' encounter with Simon of Cyrene. I want to read you the two versions out of, out of the Bible that mention Simon. Mark chapter 15 says, A certain man from Cyrene, Simon the father of Alexander and Rufus, that's important, we'll come back to that, was passing by on his way from the country and they forced him to carry the cross. Luke 23. As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene who was on his way in from the country and put a cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people uh, followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. So, Simon is from Cyrene, or it's from a northern part of Libya. So, originally, he's from the African continent. It seems to indicate that he was living in Jerusalem, but we don't know that for sure. So Simon is either, he's living there, he's there for Passover, and he's doing what everyone else does. He's standing on the side of the road, and he's watching this unusual procession. Now the crowds were probably larger than they've ever been due to the fact that it was Passover. So Simon is one who's just standing on the side of the road watching this terrible exhibition of justice, you know, take place. And then all of a sudden, Jesus collapses right in front of Simon, right in front of him, and the Roman soldiers determined that He's not going to make it to the crucifixion site. So they try to find him help. So they look through the crowd and they think it's randomly. And Simon probably thinks it's randomly. I just think it was the Lord. And they said, you come here, come here. I, we want you to carry his cross. What a shocking moment. If he lived in Jerusalem, he might have been going to the store for bread, might have been going to work. And then all of a sudden, he finds himself with Jesus' cross on his shoulders. Can I ask you a question this morning? What are you going to do with Jesus' cross? Sometimes we go through life. We don't want to be religious. We, it's not our purpose to be a Christian or whatever. And then all of a sudden we are confronted with Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection. And Simon is confronted and finds himself, you know, carrying, carrying Jesus' cross. What are you going to do? With Jesus' cross. What are you going to do when you are exposed to his suffering and the message that, you know, Simon's just standing there. And then the the, the love of, of the Savior is poured out right before him. What are you going to do with that? Well, Jesus had already talked about this moment for a minute a couple of years ago. He made this statement. And I want to read you the first part of it um, out, of, out of Luke. Uh, Luke 23, it says, Then he called the crowd to him, along with his disciples, and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must. Okay? Disciple? What is that? What, what is he talking about? Whoever wants to be my disciple must do, and he gives three things. So let's talk clearly. What is a disciple? What is a what, when we consider ourselves a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, what is that? It is a person who makes a lifelong commitment to Jesus. It's a person that says, Jesus, you can have my life. Learning. Uh, and living out his teachings and encouraging others to do so as well. So they're learning. They're learning God's word. There's this hunger to, to be more, to learn more about Jesus. They are living out. You know, we read his teachings and now it impacts our lives. So as we learn, now we're living like Jesus. And we are encouraging others to do so as well. So he says, if you want to be my disciple... And I'm defining to you what that is a lifelong commitment to learn, to live out the teachings of Jesus and encourage others to do well. He said, If you want to be my disciple, here's what you must do you must, they must deny themselves. I didn't, I didn't think I'm going to get a big amen on this. Denial is not our specialty, is it? You know? He said, you must deny yourself, okay? You wanna know the plan up front? Your plans, your dreams, everything you got, when you become a disciple, it becomes secondary to following him. And along the way, there's sacrifice as well, whatever that may be. Sometimes there's difficult times because you choose to be his disciple, but he's telling you that up front. He's telling you, you want to be my disciple, you must deny yourself. And then he uses this term and take up their cross. Okay, what what does that mean? Like back then, this is a couple years before Jesus' death. Why is he talking about this? They have no point of reference. We understand it now, it makes sense to us now. But back then, take up your cross, what is, you know, what does that mean? So he makes this odd statement about taking up the cross this moment that simon finds himself unexpectedly in holding the cross you must take up their cross it means your identity now we identify totally as a follower of jesus sometimes people I, I, their identity is wrapped up in their jobs or in their successes or their failures or their family, you know, whatever, their identity is defined other ways. He said, when you take up my cross, you are publicly identifying with me. Let me tell you something. When you carry the cross, you can't hide who you are and what you are. You can't do it. There's no part-time disciples. We don't carry this cross when it's convenient for us or when it's not convenient for us. We carry the cross and we let everyone know. As Simon stepped through the crowd, he's identified at that moment. We let everyone know that we are a follower of Jesus. You can't hide it. What's that? What, 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 what are you doing? Why do you go to church all the time? Why, what, what, why, why do you go feed the homeless? You can't, you can't hide it. It becomes part of your identity says they deny themselves, you want to be my disciple, you deny yourself, you take up your cross, and you follow me, follow it is continuation it is perpetual there's never a point where you get spiritually that you don't need to follow him anymore that you don't need to learn that you don't need to grow that you don't need to improve in some areas he said follow me live out my teachings pray give serve forgive bless love if you want to be my disciple deny yourself take up your cross and follow me. Hey, that's not a good sales pitch, is it? Like if you're trying to convert people over, how about a timeshare occasionally, some wealth, some, some prominence? No, he's letting you know up front that, that this could be what your life is like if you follow him as a disciple. In another version, Luke 14, he says, And whoever does not carry their cross cannot be my disciple, all right? So if this identity, carrying the cross, if that's something you don't wanna do, that's fine. Then don't try to fake it. Don't try to claim a discipleship that does not carry the cross because it doesn't work that way. Your church membership is not a substitute for you carrying the cross. You can write checks all, you know, to to bless the kingdom, but it's no substitute for you carrying the cross. There is only one way deny yourself, carry that cross, identify with Him in every part of your life, and that's when you become a disciple. There's no shortcut to being a disciple of Jesus. So here's Simon. Carrying the cross, all of a sudden, man, it's, it's on his shoulders. He's standing there. He's got some decisions to make. The crowd, probably at that moment, they're already jeering. He's just standing there. One moment, he's one of them. Now now he's identified with Jesus. Maybe the crowd turns on him a little bit. And Simon starts to carry that cross, We don't know how far it was, but he's walking in this scene of Jesus, this unexpected scene. He starts to carry the cross and he's probably moved by the suffering Savior and and, and who knows how far he, he walked with this cross. Maybe he drug it, maybe he had it on his shoulders, but he gets to the crucifixion site and he puts the cross beam down and he steps back for a moment as they put Jesus on the cross and he begins to witness this horrible scene of execution. Simon is standing there. It was just an inadvertent you know, inadvertent moment, but now he is witnessing firsthand the suffering of Jesus. We don't know if he stayed all six hours at the cross, but history leads us to believe that this moment changed Simon, that he became a follower of Jesus. And I'm going to tell you why. I read you out of Mark a moment ago. Mark identified Simon. He identified his sons as well, Alexander and Rufus. Okay, so this is just I'm just giving you a little speculation, but they think Simon became a follower of Jesus. So out of the thousands of people living in Jerusalem, it's probably a low probability that Mark knew them personally. But it was probably... That how he knew their names probably happened because at some point they became followers of Jesus. They came in the circle. I mean, it was just so many thousands of people there, and 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 that's probably you know they probably it's probably how he became he became part of that. So I just wanna just wanna say, at some point in your life, you're called out. You got a cross on your shoulders. Okay, you can you can drop it and walk away. Okay. But I say, carry it. But I want to say to everyone here, I want to say to everyone here, when you carry that cross, there is a cost to carrying that cross. Let me just say, there's some blessings, there's some wonderful experiences, there's knowing Jesus in a powerful way, so it is not all, you know, just gloom and discouragement. But I want to tell you, he said, if you want to be my disciple, there's going to be times of denial times that you're going to be made fun of or you can't go or do because of your identity with the cross and that you're going to live the rest of your life in perpetuity in serving in serving Jesus okay that was Simon's encounter with the cross let's look at Jesus encounters with the thieves on the cross let's look at his encounter so he's we're, we're going to pick back up you know on the cross. It says, two other men, both criminals, were also led out to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left hand. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. First statement from the criminal, the first criminal. So let's look at this for a moment. In his view, in his view, God exists to get people out of a jam. God exists to get people out of a jam. And and he doesn't require anything of us. That's kind of his view of God. He exists to give us out of a jam, and he doesn't, require, he doesn't require anything of us. And I want to tell you, listen, that's what people want. That's what people want, you know? I mean, wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great? Every time I, I mess up, he bails me out. No questions asked. Just go on and do your, you know, just going to go ahead and do your thing. I want to tell you. Been in the ministry a long time. I've talked to people. I've prayed even the sinner's prayer with people that I had no sense that they really wanted to follow Jesus. They just wanted the consequences of their behavior taken care of. Okay? That's all they wanted. That's what some people want. God, if you'll just bail me out. They just, they, they don't want a savior. They want an ambulance driver. They want a, they want a crisis counselor. They want a, Bailiff, they want an emergency room physician. That's all they want out of Jesus. Let Him fix their problems, and then they just walk away. And I want to tell you, if that's your view of God, that He'll just get you out of a jam, let me tell you something. You are selling Him way short of all that He can do. Okay? Because I want to tell you, He is my Lord He is my Savior. He is my protector. He is my defender. He is my spirit baptizer. He is my soon coming King. He forgives my sins. He heals my wounds. He answers my prayer. He walks with me through the valley of the shadow of death. He directs my life. If that's all you want, man, you're missing something great. And let me say this, that's your view of God. If you turn to Jesus, he might just keep you from getting in a jam as well, okay? You know, all the fun that you have of getting yourself in a jam. If you follow him, he might just keep you out of those situations if you're obedient to him. So that was the first criminal. Hey, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and me. Get me out of a jam. Let's look what the other criminal said. The other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said. Since you're under the same sentence, we are punished justly and for what we are getting. We, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him and said, Truly, today you will be with me in paradise. The second criminal has a completely different response. Now listen to me. Somewhere along the way, this criminal had been exposed to Jesus, had knew, knew some things about Jesus. Maybe maybe at some point, you know, before this crime, he was there when they fed the Five thousands with the fish and loaves maybe he was there when it said they had great crowds when they tore the roof off maybe he lived on one of the the, uh, seaside villages of the sea of Galilee and kind of understood you know uh, 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 Jesus ministry but it's somewhere somewhere he's got an understanding a really good understanding a good life theology look what he says you know he said, don't you fear God? Don't you fear God? All right? Just remind me. He said, fear God? Acknowledge Him? Don't you, don't you, don't you fear God? That so means He's done this. Acknowledge Him, His power. Stand before. We're going to stand before Him and judge Him. Don't, don't you fear God? We're getting what our sins deserve. Man, that's huge. That's great theology coming from a criminal. Some of you don't even know that yet. Getting what our sins deserve. This cross was at the intersection of the requirements. Of the law of men and the law of God. The law of the, the Roman law said he should be executed for insurrection. God's law said that he should be crucified for all men's sin. This guy had an understanding of God's, of God's justice. Second Corinthians says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So while he was on the cross, the Lord took all of our sin from that time before until now and he placed it on Jesus and he took Jesus' righteousness and sinlessness and his holiness and put it upon our shoulders and on that cross God's justice was satisfied but also God's mercy was given to all. He understood that. He said, don't you know this man is innocent? He speaks of Jesus' innocence and sinlessness. Not just in that moment, but he speaks of his divinity. The quality of being perfect. Remember, at the same moment that Jesus is being crucified across town in the temple, They are sacrificing the Passover lamb, which had to be perfect without spot or without wrinkle and blemish. The same moment, he testifies of Jesus' innocence. He understood paradise or heaven, eternal life. Man, this guy, he's like a Bible scholar. He knows some good stuff, all right? And then in humility, he reached out to Jesus. In humility, he reached out to Jesus. Can I just give you a couple of thoughts from this? If he would have lived out what he knew, maybe some things in his life would have been different. Here's a guy who's got a decent foundation of understanding God, okay? Maybe, maybe if he would have applied what he knew, maybe some things would have been different. What about you? Some of you raised in church but gave you a Bible test, you would do pretty well. You know some things about, you know some things about God. But this criminal chose to kind of keep this down in his heart, but continued to, continue to live out, you know, the way, the way that he was living. Listen, if you've got that seed and that formation in your heart, man, God's doing you a favor. He's already revealed some things to you. This guy's on the cross. And man, he's espousing some things that he learned at some point about Jesus. Maybe if he'd have lived those out, maybe his life would have been different. He waited to the last minute to change his life. Listen, I don't care when you come to Jesus. I just want you to come to Jesus. Okay, let me just say that. Let me just say that. But I want to tell you, if you think Jesus' grace is great in the moment of crisis or at the last moment when you were about to die, man, let me tell you, if you think think that's good, how about a whole life given over to His grace? If you think a deathbed confession or a jailhouse confession works well, how about earlier in your life surrendering your entire life to Jesus? If it is good to carry you into eternity at the last minute, I promise it is good enough for your life right now. It's good enough for your life. Now here's the thing, you don't get to heaven by being a good Bible quizzer. No offense to Linda Walker here, I'm going to get an email, listen to me, listen to me. We don't get to heaven or we don't become followers of Jesus just by knowing certain facts about the Bible, Jonah and the whale will not get you into heaven telling Bible stories, listen to me, knowing knowing certain things about about God, what got this criminal into heaven was that he reached out to Jesus in humility and just said a very simple prayer. Hey, can you just remember me when you get into heaven? And Jesus said, today you're going to be there with me. Listen to me. So it's not about all you know, how long you've been going to church, how long you've been a member. Listen, people get tangled up with that stuff. I'm just, I'm just telling you. Here's, here's all that it takes, okay? Very quickly, very quickly. If you will do three things, then God will do three things. If you will admit that you need God in your life, you, yeah, just like the thief, he didn't have a great prayer, I just need the Lord. If you admit that you need God in your life, you believe in what Jesus did for you on the cross. So this isn't church membership. We're becoming followers of Jesus. So we acknowledge and we say we believe in his death and his resurrection. And you confess, hey, I've, I've messed up. All of those things are kind of in that sentence of the, of the criminal you know, all of those things are kind of wrapped up there. He says, First John, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to, to forgive your sins and cleanse you. If you'll do three things, then God will do three things. He'll give you a new life. He'll give you a new life. Next chapter, new book, you can, you can start over spiritually. There still may be some consequences of sin that He'll help you work through, but man, your identity as what you used to be has now moved and you've got a second chapter coming. He'll forgive your sins. I just mentioned that. And He'll give you eternal life. He'll give you eternal life. You don't wrestle anymore with, man, what if I died right now? You can't find anybody at the church. Phone rings and rings. Oh, my God, the rapture. What's going on? You don't have that. Hey, I know, I know there's going to be a day that I'm going to stand in Jesus' presence. I have that promise. I don't know when it's coming, but I just want to tell you, you do those three things, and God will do those three things. And that experience that that second criminal had on the cross of, of, of that immediate you know, trans, transition of his heart, but also his body, can occur with you. And let me just say too, that's just like Jesus. At his worst moment, he had moment, he had time for one more. He, his focus was not on his own suffering, but there was one more person that was reaching, reaching out to him. And he gave that, he gave that assurance. That's, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. Let's look at his last encounter with the Roman soldiers. The Jesus' encounters with the Roman soldiers. So remember, I talked about it last week. So Jerusalem and Israel is under Roman occupation. Okay, so there are 700,000 people living in Israel or Palestine. There are 170,000 Roman soldiers that are there. Okay, because so this is an armed occupation it's not a concentration camp they are kind of free to live their lives but the roman soldiers are everywhere so these soldiers they were deployed from italy so those of you been in the military you kind of understand deployments you know what that is so they had you know left their family they were living for a period of time as an occupying force in palestine kind of living in a, bar- a barracks they're living in a foreign land And let me say, too, they're living as soldiers on deployment without their families. You know, sometimes that doesn't always lend itself to good behavior. Those of you in the military, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, so the soldiers were on deployment from Italy. No real religious system in Rome, only pagan gods. So they didn't really come with great spiritual formation. They just had these, you know, these statues of these these Roman gods. Living in Palestine had exposed them to a real faith in God. I don't know if you remember Jesus' statement. He makes this statement only one time. He said, Never in all of Israel have I found such great faith. Do you know who he said that to? A Roman centurion. Okay, A Roman Didn't say it to the disciples. Didn't say it to others. Remember the Roman centurion, his servant was sick. And he sent people to Jesus, telling him to come to my home, because I know if he just prays for him, it's Roman, Roman, Roman soldier. If he just comes, you know, that, that he'll be healed. And Jesus starts going to the servant's house, and the, the, the centurion sends other people and said, You know what? You're not even worthy that I come in my house, but if you'll just speak the word, he'll be healed. Hey, that's when Jesus said, and I'm sure it kind of was a jab at the disciples. I've never seen such great faith of all of Israel. And all the disciples went, you mean out of those heathen soldiers? You know? So, living in Palestine had exposed them to something different than the Roman, you know, kind of the Roman, uh, the Roman way of life. But can I just remind you too with that story? that the gospel is not for religious elites, only those that hear and believe the word of the Lord. Okay? So, Pilate gave the order for crucifixion, but it's the Roman soldiers that carry it out. Okay? Pilate is back in his palace dealing with his wife in the dream. He's washed his hands, but it's the Roman soldiers now that carry out execution. Now, maybe they didn't start this way, but now they had become hardened to carrying out physical beatings with rods, punishment by whips, and executions, okay? So now, this is just what they do every day, okay? This is just how they live live their life, kind of like a, MP if you understand what that is in the military they these soldiers work with the legal system okay they are the bailiffs they work you know with with the jails they're doing the floggings the beatings the executions so this this segment of soldiers kind of that's all that they do worship team you guys can come so Jesus crucifixion starts the actual Crucifixion, standing around as they are placing him on the cross, of course, are the centurions, the soldiers. Simon, possibly, if he stayed that long. The grieving family, Jesus' grieving family, any other friends. They're all maybe kind of circled this area of execution. Now the Roman soldiers, they've done this hundreds of times, okay? So it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. Executions, it's it's regular, okay? So, you know, the the screams as, as people are going in procession, it doesn't bother them anymore. The bloodshed, the pounding of the nails in the cross, they're used to this. Now they're hardened to this it's just a job and you can see that reflected in this story a little bit but now they're putting Jesus on the cross so when they're pounding a nail into the wrist now they're probably one foot away from his face gets really personal okay they're very close very close And Jesus does something on the cross that they probably had not heard before. Probably they had been cursed and ridiculed from people that are dying. But Jesus does something in this moment that is unusual. He prays for them. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. He's praying for his captors. They've probably been cursed before they probably never been prayed for you know and but they probably just kind of moved in their own you know kind of doing their own thing he's up on the cross for a while and these hardened roman soldiers they they get into the moment and they they start joining in with the the pharisees and they go all hail king of the jews that's a hardened person Normally, when someone is suffering and dying, at least there's a little bit of reverence and respect to, uh, for, for the solemnity of this moment. But no, man, this is fun time for them. All hail, King of the Jews. About noon, it gets really dark. Not like a, not like a storm that kind of breathes through here. I mean, it says it is dark wow, this is unusual, unusual occurrence here. But they're unmoved by this unusual, this unusual canvas that God has put on the sky. And these Roman soldiers, they take the very clothes of Jesus and they start gambling over his clothes in front of his family. These are hardened, hardened kind of people. This went on, this darkness, for about three hours to the point where they didn't feel like they were dying quick enough. So they took a hammer and walked over to the first thief. Because remember, the thieves weren't really flogged and beaten like Jesus was. They went to the first thief, and they took this hammer, and they just smashed him on both legs so he could not push up to get air. I mean, that's cruel. When a dying man, boom, broke both legs. Doesn't even move him. Walks over to criminal number two. Grabs the hammer. Smashes both legs. Breaks both legs. They go to Jesus. They go to Jesus. They don't break his legs. He's barely He's barely living. Can I just say something to you this morning? If you're not careful, over the course of life, your heart can become hard for the things of God and the displays of God's mercy and love don't move you anymore. They don't. Every time, every time, you turn from God, or you ignore his calling, your heart can become hard. And that's what you see in these men, just this hardness. One man even, you know, shouting out insults at Jesus. And then in the midst of the dark canvas, an earthquake started to happen. Earthquake started to shake. God's sign, man of displeasure, of going on in humanity at the same time as that earthquake began. All across Jerusalem, something unusual happened in the temple. That big veil, that big curtain that had kept humanity away from God, only one person the priest could go in for whatever reason that curtain was torn into as a sign that through the death of Jesus now every man every woman it doesn't matter your language or your color of skin has access to Jesus mercy and grace and with all of that happening one of those roman soldiers had all that he could take. All the hardness, living away. It said the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. When the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, said surely this was the son of God. Not a great teacher, strong man, good moral man, This Roman soldier with all the hardness of his life comes to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Maybe it was the testimony what moved him. Maybe it was the testimony of the other Roman soldier about his servant being healed. We don't know. You know, maybe it was the message and the message and action of Jesus. Jesus had been around for several years. Maybe, maybe an earshot. Maybe he heard a message from time to time, or maybe he was moved because he was part of that procession and he saw what was happening in Jesus' life and the prayer. Maybe, maybe that moved him. Maybe it was the events of what was happening: the darkened sky, the earthquake. Maybe it was a culmination of all things a testimony from someone, a personal witness of Jesus' of Jesus' life, maybe certain events that kind of moved in his life that made him go from the hardened Roman soldier to the follower of Jesus. Can I tell you this morning, he can take a hard heart and he can make it soft. You're hardened by years of sin, You feel like you don't have your conscience anymore. What used to move you does not move you. What used to make you feel bad does not make you feel bad. I am telling you, you are not too far gone. Here's the promise out of Ezekiel. I will give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone. I don't feel, I don't feel God's presence anymore. I don't, I don't feel his drawing me anymore. I will remove from you your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. I'll give you a heart of flesh. I'm just telling you, he can do that. When you go, I've gone too far, my heart's hard, I've done too much, I'm so far away from God. I'm telling you, it does not matter how far you are from God. He can hear just the whisper of His name come off your lips if you'll give Him that opportunity. You'll do that. You'll do that. In a moment, we're going to take communion. But I wanna just pray, pray right now. Just kinda, what what, what are you doing with Jesus' cross? You like Simon? All of a sudden, man, you're kinda on the spot. You're gonna throw it down? Here's your opportunity to kinda start walking. Kinda start walking and living. What you gonna do with this cross? What you gonna do with this cross? Are you looking for a God that just gets you out of a jam? Is that all you want? But I'm telling you, he's so much more than that. He's so much more. He's so much more than that. Hardened you don't feel, you know, or care anymore. I'm just telling you, he can change your heart. The prayer of that of that second criminal was just very short, but I'm telling you, it was powerful. When every head bowed, every eye closed this morning, Holy Spirit, I believe, is just speaking to people. If you're online this morning, I'm calling this morning for people to follow Jesus. It's the greatest message of the gospel that you can follow Jesus. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you lived, what's happened in your past. He loves you this morning. He loves you this morning. If you're online, you're away from God, you need to to get your heart right with God. Man, you can send us a private message. You can just go pray for me. We'll be in touch with you. But this morning online, God is dealing with some of you this morning. If you're in this church today, you're not where you should be with Christ. It doesn't matter, you know, just what reason. You're not where you should be with the Lord. Hey, really quick, I just want you to raise your hand up and down and just say, Pastor, pray for me this morning. I'm not where I should be with God. Would you do that this morning across this building? Across this building, would you raise your hand? Just say, Pray for me. Thank you this morning. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to put a prayer on this screen, it's a little more detailed. Criminals prayer. But I want you just to read that and pray that. Can you pray when we pray that together? Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins, rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and my life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. It's that simple prayer that will save you this morning. That simple act of humility and reaching out to God. At the end of the service, I'm going to be down at the front. You can message me. And if you prayed that prayer online here today, man, I want to talk to you because it's the greatest journey of your life. Amen. If you're here in the sanctuary this morning, our church... Practices open communion. You don't have to be a member here, just a follower of Christ. So, just want to you to know that. 1 Corinthians um, chapter 11 talks about the communion moment. And one part of that, he says, every man, woman should take a moment and examine themselves. You look in your own heart, just take a moment of worship. You take a moment of cleansing and confession because this moment that we're about to partake comes after confession. If there are things that you have failed, have not lived up to, this is the moment that brings clarity when you have those emblems of suffering in front of you and commitment and discipleship. But he says, let's take a moment. I'm just going to be quiet. Prayers of confession. Let's do that. Paul writes for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me with the bread in your hand be mindful of his suffering, his broken body that we talked about. Let's protect together. In the same way, after the supper took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes so we do this now in remembrance of his suffering but there's a day that we don't have to do this again and we're in the Lord's presence. So we do it looking forward today. Let's partake together. Part, over the pa- part of the Passover meal was just giving thanks. Would you do that today all across this place? Would you just give him thanks this morning? Would you just in your own way, would you just give him thanks? Would you just praise him this morning? Lord, we worship you so humbled Lord we give you thanks oh God without sin Christ died we had no standing Lord no reason that you would do that broken and you did come on would you just stand give him thanks this morning just give him give him thanks give him thanks we're going to take a moment and just celebrate today's Palm Sunday we're going to rejoice for a moment in this moment Oh, would you just praise Him this morning? Would you just honor Him? His presence is here today. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.